The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today, I'm joined by entrepreneur turned reality TV superstar, Jill Zarin and her daughter, Ali Shapiro. Many of you may know Jill and Ali from their longtime roles on Bravo's The Real Housewives in New York. After quickly becoming a fan favorite on Roni, Jill decided to, to depart the reality TV show, which we're going to get into, and began a new chapter of her life away from cameras. For the past 10 years, she has put all her focus on her family, businesses, and personal growth leading up to her upcoming return to reality TV, which we'll get into the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip Ex-Wives Club, which premieres this week. Today, we're going to cover all her business ventures, Allie's ventures since being on the show from some time ago, and we're going to get into all the secrets that have gotten her and her family to where they are today. Jill and Allie, thank you guys so much for being here today. I am so excited to meet you in person. You are so, he's, he's even cuter in person, girls. <laughs> that is so Sorry. sweet. You're going to make me blush before the show oh starts. Oh my goodness. I love it. Well, I'm excited to have you guys. Uh, your daughter was here before and we got talking a little bit. I mean, you guys are doing so, I heard about the NFT projects, Jill and Ellie, all the things you got going on. So we can move this in so many directions. But before we do, I got to come out swinging. We got to Go. talk Real Housewives in New York. Yes. Here's what I want to know. First and foremost. How did they find you back then? To make a long story short, Hollywood called. I mean, literally, that's how it happened. Where does Hollywood get your number? How did they that think is, of you? That's the right question. So the show was already developed. Okay. And they were looking to cast. And they told this group of kids out in California, you know, go find, I, I don't you know, rich women, with kids, socialites. socialites. Uh, in private schools in New York City. Go okay. find them. And it turns out that the guy who found me was like a 26-year-old kid from London who like, what the hell does he know about <laughs> New York socialites? Uh, but they were very creative. Okay. So they went on a web, uh, in my case, they went on a website called New York Social Diary. And back then it was still the early days of the internet. It was 2005-ish. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, I think MySpace was still around, that kind of thing. <laughs> And he but went pre-Instagram, pre-Facebook, pre Twitter, sure. pre-all of it. In fact, yeah. I, I was number 15 million when I signed on to Twitter. They, usually, they, they actually, you had a number when you signed on back then. And I knew I was like in the 15 million. Now they have 15 billion. Oh, you know, like that's you, how were, early it you was. were user number user, 15 million right. something. Okay, when I got signed it. Up. Okay. And I actually remember that. In oh. fact, Andy Cohn says that I was the one who told him about Twitter, which I think is very funny. <laughs> um, and I told Heather McDonald about Twitter too. Right. Wow. So it just shows you yeah. how old we are, by the way. And we look great, <laughs> don't you guys are we? Killing we're it. killing it. Um, anyway, so back to that. Uh, so New York Social Diary was a website that was okay. created to follow the ins and outs of socialites in New York City and the charity events they went to. Gotcha. Kind of like a town and country magazine. I'll Online. Okay. And Allie and I had actually just recently gone to a chair. I did a lot of charity work and so did Allie because uh, I wanted a teacher to pay it forward. Those much is given, much is expected. Yep. It's in my my book that we talked about, Love right? That. Much is given, much is expected. And so Allie and I were involved in this uh, charity called Outrageous where famous artists would uh, literally create a piece of artwork um, on a particular Saturday with children and um, uh, part of the program and inner city kids and anybody who wanted to come could create. And Allie actually worked on one with Jeff Koons. Jeff Koons okay. on the floor. If you know Jeff Koons, is one of the big yeah, yeah, yeah. iconic of our, of our time. But back then, 
you know, he was still a big guy, but he wasn't, you know, what he is now. So uh, they would do this artwork on the floor and there were photographers there getting images and they took some pictures of Allie working with Jeff and with me and all this other stuff. And when they were looking, they saw that photo. Okay, and, and that's where they that found it. that triggered him to say, oh, there's a mother and daughter. She's cute, she's cute. How do they find me? Literally 411. Back in the old days, kids, when you didn't know that <laughs> before the internet, there were actually things called yellow pages and white pages. But you could do it on the phone and dial 411. I don't even know if they have that anymore. And there would be things called operators. <laughs> and operators were people who could find what you're looking for. I mean, I feel like so ridiculous, right? But I bet there were young kids out there listening to this who really don't even know but that. But it's funny because the core elements of casting are kind of similar now where like I see on TikTok all the time, people say I'm casting for the show, sure. reach out to me. So it was similar where they saw us on this website. No, but and he they wanted to know. Literally and they literally go through the, an operator yeah. and the operator connects to what? Well, your home op- phone line? So this line? is how it goes. The guy calls up and says, um, you know, she says um, 411 information. And he'll say, um, hi, I'm looking for the phone number of someone named Jill Zarin in New York City. And then she'll go, oh, on East 59th Street, on, you know, 74th Street, whatever, if there's more than one Jill Zarin. Um, and here's the phone number. And I was not blocked because I wasn't, <laughs> I'm still not blocked, but I wasn't <laughs> blocked. And they gave him the phone number. So you got a cold call. So I get a phone call on my what's called now, I'm saying this very, you know, cheek, um, what's the tongue in cheek, an answering machine. Wow. An answering machine was a physical thing. It wasn't like a, I know it wasn't virtual like it is on your iPhone where it's a virtual (laughs) answering machine. We actually had an answering machine that had tapes. You could see those in the antique show. You could see them on Law and Order when they, when they, when there's a crime (laughs) and they want to hear the last phone message and they take the tape downtown to listen to. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so it was taped and I come home and there's, the light is lit that there's a, there's a message and I listened to my messages and I remembered exactly. Ready? Okay. I won't do it in a British voice, but it was British because I can't speak in a British voice unless I'm in England and I do the fake British voice okay. like everyone Let's else. Let's hear it. Let's hear this in person. Okay. Hi, my name is, my name is James Davis. I'm calling from Ricochet Television. We produce Super Nanny. We are casting a new reality show about moms and their daughters, uh, daughters and then their children in private schools in New York City. If you're interested, please give me a call. Here's my number. Boom. So I played it. Bobby was in the room and I'm like, what do you think? I mean, they produced Super Nanny. Super Nanny was a big show back then on NBC, on ABC. And it was about a woman. I know. Of course, you know. Our Gen Zs might not have a clue. They may not know. So it was a woman named, I forgot her name, but she was um, uh, a British nanny and she would go into people's homes and try to straighten out their kids. And it was a big, she'd clean it all up. Clean it all up and then leave. And then they would, you know, be bad again. But anyway. I think her name was Joe, but that was a real show. So that gave a credibility to me that this wasn't a fake phone call. Okay. So I do call back. I say to Bobby, what do you think? He's like, go for it. So I call back. And then of course, that's the beginning of, of what happens, you know, look where we are now. But that was the beginning. And I wonder where James Davis is. And I give him all the credit all the time because he not picked my picture and picked someone else's picture. Who knows? Thank God for James Davis. There'd be no Bethany. There'd be no Luann. There'd be no Jill. There'd there'd be no Andy Cohen Twitter. There'd be no Adam McDonald (laughs) Twitter. You know what? I am the kind of person who loves to give credit to people for things that they do. And I'm grateful. Not like some people in my life who actually rewrite history and go on interviews and make up a story of how they got on the show. Well, we do have a made up story from someone that said something about you that you're going to have to verify if it's true or false. That's coming. But before it does. Okay. 
When they cast you, what was the process? They call you. Then what do you have to actually go through for them to determine well, whether you're remember, on? This was really early on. Yeah. Um, it was and pretty this easy. Was, it was pretty, it was very easy. And my contract was five pages. How, no how long was way. your contract? Contract was about fifty thousand pages. No, no, literally. How many no, do you think it was? Uh, no, on a serious note, it was probably around sixty. Right, I was five. Yeah. That's wild. Five pages. That's insane. Needless to say, they're not five pages anymore. I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our sizzle reel, like our you know pre-tape to get casted, was on the first episode. That's how much they liked us because they loved the, wow. the, the sizzle I reel. Loved they loved the it. fabulous circle of people okay. came from my sizzle reel. Right. I was yeah. sitting in the back yeah. seat. So, so, okay. So what happened is I spoke to them and they said, could you just get yourself on tape, put yourself on tape and send it to us and let's see, you know, what you like. Tape. So we had actually a V, what are they called? A VCR recorder. V- we had a VHS, VHS recorder. VHS, yeah. We actually had a VS with tape and everything. Okay. And I, I knew someone, I, I think his name was Mitchell and he was a producer. He was doing some kind of reality stuff and I'd called him and asked me if he would come over and tape me because I didn't know how to do it. Sure. I mean, I, I didn't have to do it. So he taped me, Allie, and Gary, uh, Gary, Bobby, standing in my living room. I can remember it. And Brad. Was no, Brad no, there? Not, not no? there. No. Okay. And I literally was on tape because I saw it afterwards on one of these, you know, flashbacks on Bravo where it's like, hi, I'm Jill Zarin. Um, I live in... I live in New York. I live in New York City. <laughs> and, you know, I, I own Zarin Fabrics with my husband Bobby, and I have a daughter named Allie, and she goes to private school and da-da-da-da-da. And I have a dog ginger, my little ginger. <laughs> and it was about five minutes. And then I wait and I get a phone call saying they loved it. They loved me. And they wanted to see more. So would it be okay if they fly someone or they have someone come to me come to my house and tape me for a day, just a day in the life of? And they're going to video it. One girl, one camera. Okay. She came. I don't remember her name. She came to New York. And, you know, I did a little bit more. Yeah. I elevated it to more than to do a lot in one day. I don't necessarily live my life like this in would one day. Would you say you elevated, would you say you elevated your personality and the entertainment factor? No, no, meaning factor, I did just, more things in one day for it, taping. I wouldn't it. have done. Okay, so this is what I did. We went to work. She came to me to my office. Okay. Then um, I had my driver. I had a driver at the time. We drove to pick up Allie at school. Then I took Allie shopping at Barney's. Wouldn't do that normally on a school <laughs> night. You know, like, that's not like how we live okay, our life. We don't go from school. It. Right. Not a playing into it, but day. I want to give them as much as I can. Then I remember coming home, and this is what I remember seeing on the show for years and years and years. I was Bobby always loved cars, and he had a Bentley. It was a beautiful car. And um, I was sitting in the back seat, and I got my mail, and I did this on camera, and I said, well, let me just show you, like, what I get in a typical day you know, being a socialite, what kind of invitations I get. And I start real life opening invitations. And it was in September, I think. So all the charity events and the and the ballet and the opera and all those invitations are showing up. And I open one up and it's from Denise Rich, who's a friend of mine and her Angel Ball, which is a huge, huge charity event. But it started really right kind of back then. And I just said, I just said, you know, I run with a fabulous circle of friends or I said I run with this fabulous circle of people because I was excited. I had all these great invitations and it was kind of braggy a little bit, but that was what I was supposed to do, kind of tell them why they should want me. And I don't even know for what, because I just want, you know, I'm competitive. So whatever it is, I want to get picked. I don't know what it's for. I don't know what's going to happen, but I want to win. You know, that's my nature. That's why they probably picked me. That's what I got. So, um, so I remember saying that in the backseat of the car. And of course, I remember saying to myself, that is so braggy, obnoxious, uh-huh. but thank God no one's going to see it but them. Okay, got it. And then they used it. Yeah. And then they used it. <laughs> and I died because they had told me it was just for casting. Okay. Interesting. But it was so good. They had to use it. It was so good. They had to use it. But I would never really want to say something like that. Sure. 
because I don't really speak <laughs> like that. That's a little like, over I the with, Yeah, I, I run with say. a fabulous circle yeah. of people. And here I am bragging about all the charity events I'm invited to, to pay. By the way, invited to pay to go to. Well, that, okay, I have two rapid fire questions because obviously Money Podcast, I don't want to get back to the story. Two rapid fire questions would be, one, we talk numbers here. You're getting these events, these invites from like Denise Richards, all these people. Obviously, they're friends, but they're expecting you to go and obviously Absolutely. make a donation. What is the minimum donation that you're making at one of those events oh, that you well, go to? Well, just to buy a ticket is $500. Okay. Uh, uh, just a ticket to sit in the back or whatever. Yeah. Um, to buy a table anywhere between five and $10,000. Okay. So there, so you're probably on average spending either 500 up to max around 10,000 per one of these events. Well, the way I usually work, the way I operate usually yeah. is I'll buy a ticket. I don't really care as much where I sit because sure. I don't really care. Whatever. What I do is I like to make a donation. Let's say I say I'm going to make a $10,000 donation. Yeah. I'll buy two tickets for $1,000 and then I'll buy something in the live auction at the silent auction. Because gotcha. I, being the way I am, like to get something for it. I like that. It's just the way I am. Yeah, I can't you, you help give, it. You give, you get. You give a lot, you get oh, a little here. back. Okay, you ready? Yeah. So I went to an event the other night for a friend of mine. Okay. I paid my $2,000 for the tickets. Okay. But I wanted to make a bigger donation. Lorraine Schwartz donated a ring that she only sells or gifts to her celebrity clients like the Kardashians, she sure. told me, because I spoke to her afterwards, you know, the Kardashians have it. And she was actually wearing the ring that night. So, yeah. you know, it's not like she's bullshitting me. Sure. And she says they're not for sale. But she did it because the people who were having the event were very good friends and I'm sure customers of hers. So she wanted to make it nice and give her something. So I bought it. How much? 8500 There you go. Want to see it? Let's I'm see it. it. There you go. It's a love ring by Lorraine Schwartz. I mean, Schwartz. this thing is beautiful. We'll give it to the cameras. Give it a little look there. Isn't this that beautiful? Thing Lorraine is Schwartz absolutely... makes beautiful jewelry. Oh, that's Isn't gorgeous. that nice love? That and is... it feels great. It fits great. And, and, and I did it for a good cause. So, you know, generally, and there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. That's great. I love it. Okay, second rapid fire question. Then we're going to get back to the housewives. When you, you said you had a driver, just curiosity. Mm -hmm. People might be wondering, what is a driver? If you have a driver, like what is the cost of that? What do you pay a driver? <sighs> Well, back then, you know, the driver we had also worked in our warehouse. Okay. So he wasn't full-time. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't. He used to pick up um, Bobby's mom in the morning and bring her to the office, get her hot lunch, you know, do that. And then if and then I'd get picked up and, and we had a routine. And then I'd go to work for a few hours and then we'd pick, and then he'd go uptown to pick up Allie and bring her home. Then he'd come back down and pick up me and take me home. And then he'd go back and then he'd go take his mother home. I mean, he was always, you're right. He was pretty much a driver. <laughs> I would say back Sounds then, like a driver. <laughs> I don't know, anywhere, I, anywhere between 600 a week. Okay. Remember 20 years ago and you get insurance all the time, 600 a week to a thousand a week. Okay. Do you think now with Uber, Bobby would have had a driver still or no? Bobby would have always had a driver. He loved the, he just did. And his mother, because it, you can't send an Uber for his mother. I'm not going to mention it. You couldn't send it because she okay. has to go pick up her fry, her chicken at Boston Chicken. And then she's got to go get the drugstore, you know, whatever. She's got her errands to run. So he always had a driver. But I would say for you and me, I wouldn't have needed him to come up. Like a lot of well, times school. I would, you know, try to figure, you know, get, um, I'd say Bobby, I, I'm like Bobby and Gary, they're the same names. Um, you know, I've got to go return something at Saks, so I got to do this or that. Can you send, I'm not going to use his name, send sure. Bob, you know, whatever, up yeah. to the house to take me. Got now it. I'd call Uber. Now you like, call Uber. I wouldn't Uber. even think okay. twice. I wouldn't bring a man all the way from downtown. To just come get you to, to go to up Saks. Up to 60th Street to take me to run errands. I just would call him. Okay. Open. All right. Those are the two rapid fires. Let's get back to, so you, you get casted, you get the contract. We know the contract's five pages. I have one of your counterparts tell me about the negotiation process. A lot of times I talk about the negotiation process because someone at home and their job might take something from what you did or what someone else's did to help their cause. 
When you got the contract, did you negotiate it all for how much you were paid to go on the show? Well, it's very simple. We were offered $500 an episode. Yep. <laughs> Let me repeat that. We were offered $500 an episode. I think it was $5,000. Okay. And I had a top lawyer at Greenberg Torg, like the top lawyer, head of the department, whatever. And he actually couldn't get me any more money. And he tried. And he was he was representing me and a few others. And then I find out, this is very funny, that Simon from Brooklyn, right? The couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he was getting 7500 for the season. And I was furious. Not, listen, do I care about $2,500? I yeah. never did it for the money, obviously. Right. Obviously. And yeah. I never knew if there'd ever be any money. And I, I can tell you why I did the show. Well, it wasn't but the real I didn't like the fact that it wasn't Favored Nations and that they were paying him more than he was paying us. And I was really mad that my lawyer from the fancy law firm was able to not get me a dollar more. And this guy without a lawyer got more money. So anyway, to make a long story short, Bravo gave us, you know, all 7500 for the season. And uh, the rest is history. Allie, what were you saying? Oh, that at the time it wasn't called The Real Housewives. Right. So it wasn't like we could look to anything else so to compare. There was no benchmark. Right. There was no benchmark. Okay. It was like The Bachelor and we had other bachelorettes or bachelors to look at. There's no like us. history. Okay. No. So here we had Ramona Singer on. This was her comment. And I okay. got to hear your response go, to baby. what she said. She here we go. Here you go. Ready? Yeah. I love my Ramona. Then this is the worst part. Jill Zarin and the other people were so desperate to do the show. They agreed to do all six episodes for only $7,500. So what's your take on that? Because she she was saying that she was the hard nose. She was the one negotiating. All you guys were like, we don't care. We'll do it for okay. nothing. It's so what's funny because, well, that? first of all, it's a long time ago, so it's hard to remember the details. <laughs> yeah. But I will tell you this. She, we were not all together. We were all individuals. So she could have, if she's so smart and so brilliant, who told her she couldn't get more than 7,500? I wasn't negotiating for her. That's a good point. What does she have to do with me? She should have gotten her... Th- Hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If she was so, so good not at desperate, why'd she do it for seventy five hundred? Since she wasn't, de- and by the way, I wasn't desperate to do the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For what money was yeah, I yeah. desperate to do it for money? Obviously not. Right. It cost yeah, me. Obviously, you didn't. Need I'm the, the one who rented a private plane and didn't get it for free. A lot of times, these private planes are trade outs and blah blah blah. Sure. Now, now it's a different world. I paid for everything, so you know that that season probably cost me thirty grand. Yeah, yeah. Um, plus hair and makeup and all that, you know, wasn't covered. It still isn't covered. So I don't know what she's talking about because she could blame me. First of all, it's not me. It was the lawyer. And she knows who I'm talking about. I'm not going to name names. But Simon is the one who got 7,500. We got 5,000. So if she was so good, why didn't she go get more? Let's call her on the phone. Let's call her number. (laughs) And by the way, did you know she lives in my building? Oh, there we go. I'm going to see her. My big Muster shoes. And I'm going to go downstairs today. Downstairs today. And say Ramona. And I'm going to say Ramona. Remember when you said that on Trading Secrets? And, And by the way, you know, where have you been all these years? Because my understanding is that New York makes the least out of all the other, um, all the other shows. Yeah, so if you, if you if look you're online. so good, I haven't been around. So, you know, <laughs> don't blame me that you're not making the money. I love it. Now, why do you, th- why do you think that is so like, you're the fan favorite all the years you're on, like you're the star, everyone loves you. Why did it not work out? Or why did you discontinue? Or what was the you reason? You know, it's so long ago move? and it's honestly so unimportant. The reality is for me, I've always been, um, I've always self-sabotaged myself. Mm. I have. I still do to a certain extent. I try not to, but I do. So I really believe that I was off the show um, because I kind of self-sabotaged myself. 
And I did the right thing. The fact not being on the show, I think, saved my marriage. Not that it was in trouble, but I felt that it was going in that direction. And that's why a lot of housewives get divorced. Yeah. And that's why I love that Kyle's married and, you know, um, a couple of the girls, not a couple, I can't even name them all on one hand of how many are still married and happy. You know, Why, so many do you think have, it's because like the attention and fame just goes to a different direction. So ma- well, I think I think I think it's 50 50. I think half of them go in knowing that they're not in a good situation and they need okay. an escape. So they're trying to get on a show so they can get out of their marriage, have their own money, all that stuff. Got and it. then the other ones is, yes, fame goes to your head. Maybe it goes yeah. to one one person's head more than the other. Sure. Doesn't give him the attention that he needs or they just have different, you know, goals. You know, and it really pan- it really comes out when you're doing a show. Gotcha. When you went season to season, though, did you start negotiating up as much as your pay? Like, did you negotiate see the next season you were I'm on? I'm the did worst negotiate? negotiator. Okay. And I always said I never did it for the money, and I didn't. Yeah. Now okay. I would. Now you would. Okay. All now right. I would. Lessons learned. To a certain extent. But back then, I really just did it to have fun, but I did it to promote my brands, Aaron Fabrics, because I remember I was friends with Judith, um, Judith Publisher. Regan. Regan, sorry. Judith Regan, (laughs) brilliant publisher, by the way. And I remember she said to me, you know, Jill, who cares about the money? Because you you have a product to sell. At the time, it was Aaron Fabrics. She said, how much would you pay to have commercials nonstop running on Bravo, like pay for commercials? And I'm like, you're right. She goes, so who cares? Such a good point. And I remembered that. And it carried with me. So it was never me and money. It was never an issue. And I have enough. Like, I've yeah. never been desperate. That's the thing. Like, some of the other people on the show, yeah. they don't have significant others. They don't have their own independent wealth. And they need to work. Yeah. Interesting. So different perspective. I, I'm, I'm lucky that way. It's different perspective. I have I have more freedom choi- of choices. Yeah. That's, that is, it's, it's so interesting to hear your take on that, too, which is different than, obviously, some of the others. But it's, it's. Very interesting. Allie, your take, 14 to 18-ish age range. You're part of this reality television show. What, when you look back on it, what was like one of the the wildest things that you think about being on the show? I think back then we were really just living our own lives for ourselves and they followed us, but they definitely, I remember, they didn't put us in uncomfortable situations, but they definitely, you know, when my mom wasn't around, like me and Bobby, they wanted us to... I don't know, give across a certain message. And I feel like bad watching it back now. I feel like it's hard when someone's gone watching, you know, TV or a movie when that person's gone and they can't defend themselves or talk about it. It's kind of sad. So I feel like I don't regret it, but it makes me sad watching and knowing that other people are learning about us for the first time. And that's their impression of us. Like something 20 years ago of a fight or a bad day or a bad mood. And that lives on forever now when like you were just having a bad moment. Like I was 14, a cranky, annoying kid with a stepdad who was much older, 20 years older than my mom. And I feel like we had our relationship, but it sucks now seeing it playing back and it doesn't feel great. So I feel like it's- I think what Allison's saying is she's not proud of some of the things she might've said or done. I wouldn't do it again now, those, you know, particular instances. And can't like, I mean, I'm sure she's spoken to him about it since, but not as a 29-year-old. Sure. And right. he's not sure. here now to say yeah. she's sorry or to, to, to say whatever she wants to say. Yeah. And I never really watched it then. So watching the first season back, 
doesn't feel great because you can't really take it back or redo it or anything like that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think something that's so relatable, though, is anyone who's in the age of 14 to 18 has said things and had reactions yeah. in, growing, in growing situations where if any of us were filmed at that age, we would you all You know what's so sad? We're in such yeah. an unforgivable society now. I mean, a 14 or 15-year-old who says something that's inappropriate or whatever could be like canceled for the rest of their life. There's yeah. no forgiveness now. There's zero tolerance. Well, Even if you're 14, zero tolerance. It's and, terrible. Yeah, I mean, well, that's a perfect transition because obviously you're you have a new show coming out, comes out this week, right? Ultimate Girls Trip. Oh yeah. Do you knowing what you know now about what you had just said and the difference in reality television from back then to today, did you have any hesitation in taking this path for this show because of things like that? Uh, not this particular show because it's a one and done. Okay. You know, it had a beginning, middle, and end. And it, it was, was only a week of filming. It was a week. And I liked the girls that they that we were filming with. So I was I was looking for a good time. Interesting. Okay. We're going to get into the show. Before we do, I got to touch on what you just said. You, you'd mentioned that it's such a sensitive place to be living today. Did Was there ever a point that like your career or you were in a canceled position that you feel this strongly about it? Or are you just in general? Well, yeah, I got canceled for something for money. For money. Ramona, who you just brought up. And, yeah. and honestly... I don't think she said it knowing what would happen, but she definitely said it maliciously. Uh, we were at a Kodak party that I held uh, to launch a new product of Kodaks, and I was a brand spokesperson for them. And the irony is, is that my contract didn't require me to have anything on TV for them. Okay. I just was being nice and figured I'll just give them extra. Sure. Big mistake. <laughs> do what you paid for and don't do more. Don't do less. There's your lesson. Uh, yep. So I had a party on the show and Ramona was jealous, obviously, mm -hmm. because it was, you know, probably the first, I was probably the first housewife to have a big brand endorsement, Kodak. And, and I was always the first with a lot of things. I was the first reality star that, um, you know, had an agent at CAA and Bilstein Gray at the same time manager, like that combo. I mean, I was, I was lucky and, I, and there was jealousy for sure. There's always jealousy when you have a cast of five and Bravo doesn't help. Yeah. by the way, with that jealousy. What because, do you, to play, uh, well, play into it, kind of? No, 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 no. Uh, meaning, um, like, even now, now I don't care. But um, when you have five or six or eight girls, only one can do certain things. So if um, the MTV Awards came up, they sent, in our show, they sent Dorinda and Taylor. Now, for me, I, I wouldn't have gone anywhere because I'm a New Yorker, Tamara, sorry. But I'm sure that Vicky and uh, Brandy were a little bit envious that they weren't asked. And I'm not saying they were. I can't speak for them. I see. I I'm see. just saying that that's an example Understood. of where Bravo, not on purpose, not not on purpose, but it is what it is. There were th Or they'll say to you something. I remember being told um, that I was going to do something, but please don't say anything to anyone because they didn't want everyone calling them saying, can I have it? Sure. Okay. That makes sense. Which is what sense. would happen. And then the girls get mad at me that I didn't tell them and I got it. Got and it's not it. my fault. So no. it like, it just creates things Shh. that, you know. Yeah, totally. It, I don't know if it happened in The Bachelor. I mean, there were so many of you and you all got different opportunities. Oh, I mean, that happens. Absolutely. I mean, it happens every day on social media. It happens in reality television. It happens on The Bachelor. Like you're benchmarking against your peers and you start to see the opportunity they have. Envy sets in. Envy sets in. Shit talking ensues. And then it just becomes the nature of the reality. But you're at, so you're at this event though. Okay, so I'm at this event and Ramona comes up to me and she says, "What? why are you working with Kodak? They're so antiquated. Huh. Well, Right then and there, I knew that I was going to get canceled. <laughs> not canceled in the traditional sense, though. Her contract was canceled. Oh, yeah. not they didn't, it was $300,000 on the table. I did not get it. Because Ramona said that? Yes. Because what? They, and not only that, they aired it. They didn't have to air it. Oh. They aired it. And, and the irony is, I always thought this was such a mistake. This is where, like, one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing. Yeah. 
So obviously production left it in because it was dramatic and everything else. But business-wise on Bravo, Kodak was one of their biggest advertisers. I remember they were promoting this printer that they had and they were promoting um, the Kodak books. Sure. The print, printable books. Yeah. And they were advertising. They were spending gazillions on Bravo. Every time I turn on a Bravo show, it was a Kodak commercial. That's why they hired me. Like they were engaged with Bravo and Bravo talent and the whole thing. And as soon as that happened and they put it in the show, Kodak canceled all their ads. Oh, 300,000 gone. No, no, for, for me. So, no, yeah. how much millions Bravo oh, lost? Oh, Bravo lost No, no, a ton. Bravo lost. Millions and millions. 50 million. I can't so even imagine. So why the hell would they air that? Well, because one hand doesn't know the other. I don't really understand why. I mean, they saw, the, they saw the show and didn't somebody say, hey, wait a minute, isn't Kodak? Because I knew it. Kodak, yeah, a big yeah. advertiser, do we really want to, over something stupid that doesn't benefit anyone, do we want to air this? But that's, you know. And by the way, at the end of the day, she was right. And, and Kodak filed bankruptcy. Oh, yeah. We'll get in the recap, guys. So I'm just guys. saying, so, you know, she was right. They yeah. were antiquated, but they were trying to dig themselves out. But it wasn't nice to do to me. She knew that there'd be repercussions. I don't think she knew how much or what, but she was doing it to be mean. It wasn't doing it to help me. Interesting. Like she could have said the opposite. Like, Jill, I'm so glad you're working with them. You know, they like, could use someone nice like hit. you. Yeah. So, in you the, know. In the recap, guys, we'll talk a little bit about why Kodak went bankrupt very briefly, just the business case behind it. It's wild. They are still traded today, but they're getting beat up pretty good. We'll get into that. But, but for disposable three, cameras are having a comeback. They so, are having a, cam- a comeback. Vintage. I don't know if the volume's high enough. But, but I'll tell you, the IP is worth a lot of money. And a friend of mine did a big deal with Kodak in China. IP's worth a ton. Right. When you three, I'm just curious, three, because I want to get a little tease on the new show, but 300K back then, what did you, what would you have to do for that? Because you said, do what you're paid to do. Today, I could tell you, 300K could be like an appearance for posts, one podcast read. Well, I haven't What's, been getting that. So can somebody well, please hook me up that. with those, We're please? on it. We're getting I'm you not that. getting that. But I mean, what, what did you, back then, what do you do? For, just curious, like appearance. Well, like, I, I mean, I was getting like then about 25,000 for a day rate, if you want to call it that. To show up at a sh- Well, so I went up, I remember I went to Kodak's headquarters up okay. in um, Rochester. Rochester That's and that was live. like great. And I was in front of an audience of 2000. It was great. But like, I kind of knew it was the beginning of the end. Okay. So it was like speaking stuff. You speaking do these little, stuff. okay. It was around yeah. 2010. So social media, that's what I'm saying. Social 12, media wasn't there, but that gives me an idea for like appearances, stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now you got to tease us. Now, Allie, are you in Ultimate Girls Color? Are you in this new show? I am not. It is just the no XY. just the yeah. It was an opportunity, but it got canceled. Canceled because it, I came on as a surprise. Okay. So okay. we didn't say get, that. So, huh? Can you say that? Well, I think everyone knows I come on the show. I'm yeah. here today. Yeah, Everybody yeah, yeah. knows. We're promoting the show. We're promoting there the show. There it is. Um, <laughs> surprise. And, it, and I have a surprise. <laughs> I'm back. Um, but yeah, there was an opportunity, but it didn't happen because of the way I came onto the show. They didn't do any background of me. Okay. Like where, like some of the girls, you're going to see some background of like them like packing, packing together to get to the thing and sure. talking to their family. Oh, what's it going to be like this week? You're going to miss me. So Allie would have been in that. And we ended up, they canceled it because they of the way I was coming in. It was a Jewish holiday. It was Yom Kippur. Got it. Okay. So I couldn't go up with the girls the first day. And so what can people tease people a little bit? Why they should tune in? What can they expect from the season? Well, I think the commercials that they've been airing is enough of a tease. Okay. I mean, even I, it's must watch okay. because just the, just there's this one teaser that's on right now where Brandy says, and her favorite words are shut the fuck up. <laughs> she just loves it. It's just, she loves it. And she doesn't so mean do you. it. You literally. love it too. I do too. <laughs> you love it too. I mean, we all love to say words and they don't, this is, you know, if you want to be abstinent, you can set, break the word apart and say, shut the fuck, you know, and be, 
Yeah. It's a, an expression. Sure. And and it's not meant to be literally shut yeah. the fuck up or mean. It's yeah. the, first it's something she says like she'd be like just shut up. Sure, yeah, yeah, but she course. likes to say shut the fuck up. But the girls because of in the condition that they were in, you know, were like, and the two of them, I saw the commercial and I didn't see it. I was sitting next to them. Okay. So I didn't see the way the camera sees it on TV, looking at them. And they're both attacking Brandy at the said time. What do you mean? Shut the fuck up. You shut the fuck up. <laughs> and the two of them. And it's just, it's really, it's hysterical. Because what happens is the temperature goes all the way up and then it goes down. Yeah. And it gets heated up and then it goes down. It's a nice roller coaster. It is. When they came back to you to be on the show, were you surprised they came back or were you expecting this? I was surprised. You're surprised. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of ex-wives and a lot of New York ex-wives. So And when I was, was the last time you had heard from them before this? Well, I speak to Andy. Okay. I mean, we're 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 friends. I mean, you know, we've had we've definitely had our ups and downs over the years. Yeah. But you know, there's nothing like having um the time. You know, okay. I know Andy now since 2001. Like, we know each other over 20 years. No, not years. 2001. Oh, sorry, not 2001. 2005. Okay. So it's still almost 20 years. Yeah, okay. It's it's. I knew Andy when he was sitting in an office at NBC as a top TV executive. Look at him now. Is Andy the one that called? Andy was the one who hired me, for sure. I spoke to Andy in the beginning. Oh, yes, and Andy did call me. Andy called you. He did. All right, negotiations for this show. A lot different than the other show, or is it the same Definitely thing? Definitely can't talk about it. I okay. will get shot. Okay. We don't want you to get shot. We're not going to talk about that. I will get shot. That. I will get fired. We Again. Don't, we don't. <laughs> well, I don't want to be involved I know, I with know. that reasoning. So we'll move on from that. Were there any hesitations for you to do this show round two? How about that? Um, to go back. Well, there's always a little bit of a hesitation. Any know? that were driving you to maybe say no? Yeah, I mean, there's always a hesitation. Yeah, I didn't say, I don't think I, did I say yes right away? I might have. I don't know. I don't think so. I think we talked about it. It was a discussion. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I was definitely excited because yeah. it was, um, the only thing was, to be honest, uh, the first trip was to Turks and Caicos. Okay. So I don't want to say I wasn't excited to go to Bluestone Manor or to, to the Berkshires. I love the Berkshires. And in fact, I had just um, been there two weeks prior to um, Miraval mm-hmm. for a week with my boyfriend and my girlfriend, okay. <laughs> not a girlfriend, girlfriend, but you know, we yeah. went up there and actually I was supposed to have dinner with Dorinda. Cause I had told her I was right down the block from her. I love the Berkshires in the fall. Um, and that's why I went. Um, but I would have liked to, you know, I didn't know what other shows they would be doing in the future. Okay. If they'd be going to more exotic locations. So I kind of loved the trips when we went to Morocco. Okay. You know, I like to go to places I've never been to. Sure. Sure. Um, but- and you know, to be fair, going to someone's home, it's like their, it's their show, it's their home, it's it's them. And I'm just part of, I'm just a guest on that show in their home. Where like when they went to Turks and Caicos, it was every man for himself, all equal footing, except fighting over who gets the best room. Pretty much everybody is, the, you know what I mean? Like no one could get thrown out of the house. Got it. Um, it's just different rules of the game, okay. that kind of thing. And I would have liked to have gone to Europe or sure. anywhere but I didn't know. And that was a big decision for me. Do I take, is a bird in the hand? And this is a business question. Mm-hmm. Is it a bird in the hand or do you wait for better? Mm. I think take it. And I did. So you took it. Do you think this is like the relaunch of Jill into Bravo? Like, do you think we can see, expect to see more from you after this show? Honestly, I don't. I think this was a one and done. Really? Yeah. Would you like there to be a longer relaunch? I don't, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I, I have very big, 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 big reservations. 
I have a really good life. I want to play tennis every day. I say to Allie, I don't want to work anymore. Um, every day. Every, every day, day, she tells me. Every day. I just want to, you know, um, uh, live the good life I worked my whole life for. Yeah. You know, what am I waiting for? Understood. You know, All right. I'm well, going to Europe this summer. We're chartering. Uh, I'm hoping to charter a boat. Yep. Well, Allie doesn't know about that part yet. Oh, but surprise, um, surprise. But I'm planning a you know a romantic getaway to Europe and to play tennis, to go to tennis camp, and Allie's going. I just, you know, my parents are in Florida. I have a home there. I, I'm closing on a new one in a few weeks, and I'm going to renovate it. That's going to take a year. So I'm going to have to be there a lot. I just, you know, I have a lot on my plate. And, on and, plate. and, and you know, I don't know. I don't think there's anything more you're going to get out of me that you haven't seen already. So I'm really happy. My brand, that's what I care about. I care about my rugs. I have Jill Zarin rugs. In fact, you're going to see Jill Zarin outdoor rugs at Bluestone Manor, my beautiful Amazing. green outdoor rug, which I hope people are going to love. And I have indoor rugs. I have wool rugs now. We have washable rugs coming. We have a crystal manifestation line, which I just showed you. This is you. the coolest candle, by the way. It's a candle. It has crystals in it. Real and there's a crystals. Whole, real crystals. Caitlin would be obsessed with this. And there's a process of what you do to actually manifest. And this is the, so this is being sold under the Jill and Allie brand though. Correct, right? on jillandallie.com. And we have it on jillzarin.com as well. Okay. Um, but they're $45. And if you look at any other candle for $45, you're not getting any crystals. And you're not getting it this big and heavy and quality. And it's, it, I opened the box, it smells unbelievable. I'm going to G, I'm gonna get to jillandallie.com after this question. This question right here, you said it, I got to ask, charter a boat. How much does chartering a boat cost? A lot. Depends on the boat. Okay. Really, it depends on the size of the boat. It depends on the crew. If you're going to have no crew, if you're going to crew it yourself, or you're going to have 25 people. Fun fact, my mom is a boat captain. I am we a owned three boats. Wow. She yeah. is a boater. And she loves boats. So, so she you, knows a lot. If you want to charter a really nice boat, seven people are going to be there. You need a team of at least five. You're going to do it for a week. What does that cost? Well, the best is when you're invited as a guest. <laughs> well, and in this for case, chartering. for the summer, I'm being invited as a guest. Okay, nice. But so if you were chartering a 150 foot, like a hypothetical, oh, I'm in, just in I have the no south idea. of France, in the south of France, in the summer, you're looking at two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand, probably all in, maybe. Interesting. Okay, um, unless you Plus do tip. below deck. Below <laughs> then deck, you might get a better deal. <laughs> but you still pay. You still pay to be but on below deck. Pay. You know what? We were offered below deck, but they wanted forty five thousand. It included your airfare, like but it was days. only for two nights and three days. It's like. Boom and out, in yeah, and out. What? Why would I want to do that? Um, and pay. So I didn't do that, although maybe I would now. I actually reached out to Captain Sandy to see where the boats are this summer. That's hilarious. But um, it turns out that my friend's um, friend is literally today taking delivery of a mega yacht in Monaco and invited her and any friend she wants to bring this summer. That's what's, so that's the answer right there. I have there. a trip planned to Capri, but I may cancel that in lieu of this. Go on so that. we'll see. <laughs> so my point is, is like, that's what I'm looking sure. at. What do I want to work like for? Like life is good right now. Why even bother? Yeah, and that? to bring on negative energy and all that crap. You don't need I don't, the stress. I don't. And I said this a year ago that my time has passed and I've passed the baton and they have literally now recast New York and they are passing the entire baton to a new crack cast of younger, fabulous women, fabulous, younger, diverse women. That's like the description of what they're looking for, um, who are friends. And um I'm good. All right. My life is in a great place. I just don't We're very see busy. Well, very, very, very busy. busy. We're going to see more Jill on the next show. I want to get into Jill and Allie real quick. You made a comment, Allie. You said plus tip. What do you, I'm just curious, 200,000, what do you tip someone that works on a boat like that? Is that like a 20%? Lot. 20%. Damn, that can get, that can add up. Okay. And plus, so, so let's say the boat charters for 100,000. You have to pay provisioning, fuel, and tip. 
Alcohol. So you can literally add at least half. So if it's a hundred thousand, you're going to pay it's another fifty. It's more expensive 50. than a private jet, right? Oh yeah, but a private jet's only two hours or this three is hours. A week. This yeah, is yeah, a week. Yeah, that's okay. Well said. Good point. All right, Jill and Ellie, you guys have this website. You have candles, handbags, apparel. This is candles on there and on Jill's site. Check it out. Apparel. You guys started this business not too long ago. It's absolutely blowing up. One of the interesting things you said when we sat down was that you haven't used influencer money, like you haven't spent money on influencers, but you'll send product. And you've seen some influencers do better than others. What have you seen from a business perspective when you're using social media to get some of these things sold? Well, it's been a wild ride. I think we leverage our social media to actually get into wholesalers to meet our minimums to then be able to do our e-com. Because on a daily basis, we'll end up selling more wholesale than we will e-com between the boutiques and major retailers. Um, and that enables us to have a really nice website and social media presence. Um, so we focus on kind of like upper funnel with social media. So spreading brand awareness, getting our name out there, but the actual sales honestly comes more from wholesale. Got it. So, so more from wholesale, but you've used people from The Bachelor, right? Mm -hmm. To sell some of this and they do well? Yeah, it's funny. And that's why I think we're scared about actually paying money because we don't know, right? You don't know what's going to hit or not. And ironically, over the past two years since we started, we'll end up getting the most traffic and most conversion from Bachelor stars. Jeff Lewis. Jeff Lewis, oh, reality wow. star. I would say reality stars more than actual traditional fashion influencers. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Must be ba back to engagement. No, but housewives really don't do anything for us. Housewives, housewives don't housewife posts? No, no. Housewives don't post. But the, but the Bachelor wanna... does. But bat people from Bachelor, bachelor audience Yes, does. Bachelor's That's do. what I'm saying. It depends on what. What? Yeah. What, what I'm trying to work on now is generating more UGC. So like getting people to actually love our candles, post about them, talk about UGC? them, use user generated content. So like someone like me lighting a candle, showing you the crystal, all that stuff versus like a picture saying, thanks, Jill and Allie, I got this candle, which is what you get when you pay someone. But we're also a celebrity brand and we help them by promoting them, too. So it's kind of like a give and take. Because right, I'll repost it. Right, so but if somebody it's just posted, us. I reposted you it, and repost. I've got a million So followers. then you're putting them up. Right. We're a very small company. It's like four of us. Okay. Um, which is why it's easier at the end of the day to do wholesale and focus on that in terms of sales and growth. But we're definitely interested in growing our social base. Also, I'm sure you talk about this too, with like the iOS updates. It's been really hard for us with Facebook Terrible. and Instagram ads. Yeah. So we're Killed doing us. like tens of thousands a month on ads, and we had to scale all the way back because we weren't seeing the ROI. Interesting. Now, do you guys run this company together? Yes. yes. Okay. We are partners. And, and do you run into any, like from a mother-daughter perspective, managing a business, this is the first we've had on the podcast. Have there been any like big challenges with yeah. that? Every day. Every day? Every day. And what is like conflict resolution? Like what do you guys do to get on the same Gary. page? Gary. Gary. <laughs> He's not here today. Gary. Gary's, okay. our, Gary's the best. Gary's our conflict resolution. And he's, he loves Allie to death. Like even yesterday, um, <laughs> we did a pop-up shop downtown and there were some candles that were left over that had to get picked up. And Allie said, oh, I'm on my way downtown. I'm going to pick them up. And they're heavy, by the way, right? Imagine yeah, five boxes. So nice. These are two and a half pounds each. Get one of these things. Done yeah, real. you know what I mean? You could, could do like weights. Exactly. Thing. They're really heavy. Imagine a box of 24 of those. So, um, and little Allie can't lift them. <laughs> so I said to Gary, oh, I said to Allie, why don't you ask Gary to take you down? Now, if she asked me, she knows the answer. Absolutely not. I am not getting in my car at five o'clock on the Upper East Side to go all the way down to the East Village, pick them up, take you home, and then go home. That's a two-hour <laughs> round trip. She asked, she says, I'm taking Uber. I said, ask Gary. Not even a question. Not even a question. It just He's happens. like, of course I'll. No, he says, of course I'll do it. 
Like wow. he's so good. He loves her. That's but awesome. we're doing our first gift shows this summer. So we're going to okay. be in Atlanta, Vegas. We just signed on. It's very a, exciting. Right, a selling organization. Okay. Um, which had, they have 10 reps around the country. They show it, the major shows. And it's a big investment for me. I self-fund this company. Okay. I do not have investors because I really didn't want to answer to anybody. But before that. that, it was us. I got into Aerie, Francesca's, Macy's, TJ Maxx. How did you get the into stores, those stores? All sex or fifth. Um, relationships, just connections. Um, that's why I think it's important to to have a beautiful social media page. Francesca's and Aerie found us. And okay. Okay. the advice other ones, to, yeah, relationships. Advice to, I'm making the name up. Let's say there's Susan. She lives in Ohio. She's got a cool product. She's hearing you say this. What advice would you have for her to get her product into like one of those big ones? You go to 411 operator? Do you no, just I crush your social kind of. game? I think they're just people behind a computer screen and everyone's at home right now. So LinkedIn, Instagram, like literally it. even for press, like I saw who was writing Refinery 29, who's writing these BuzzFeed articles, looked them up, saw their Instagram, DM them. I love that. Like everyone's just a person. So these buyers are just people waiting to be reached out to. They want to find the next big small business that's going to be great in their store. So it helps them too. I love that advice. Like you can, like you said, just look who's writing this yeah. article. That's a person. You reach out to them, give them an idea, get ahead of what's next. That's and they're all really on their phone. They're all on TikTok. They're all on LinkedIn. Yeah. They're all on Instagram. And everyone's looking for the next big, yeah. big thing that's going to make them look you good. You know what's interesting about press? They need you as much as you need that. Exactly. Yep. They need content. Exactly. And there's so much uh, competition in the content world because everybody's a podcaster. Everybody's sure. an influencer. Yep. Everybody He's a writer, and the internet is endless, unlimited, infinity pages. It's not Doesn't like end. 29 pages, and they have yeah. to fit it in. So, you know, everybody's looking for content. So we provide content. Um, and this week was really, and the, this is where the show does help. You see, this is where, you know, from a business point of view, do you do the show to help your business? Yeah. So sure, um, um, I can get a lot of stuff without having the show, which I've done. But this week, I have a full page. What's in my bag? What is it? Something well, in Us Weekly. A day, in, a day in my life, life. a yes. day in my life. And then uh, People Magazine, you know, she's back. I mean, they love that. You could pitch um, all that. And that happens when I get back on television. I love it. I think so, we had the business things I don't need to be on TV for. Like yeah. I can pitch Forbes and do all those stories. We just did a mother-daughter story for Mother's Day. It had nothing to do with the show of the top mother-daughter duos and, you know, new businesses. We do have a goal, though. Let's hear it. It's my last year. In my 20s. Yeah. So Forbes 30 under 30 is my oh. goal. That's the only goal that I have. Forbes 30 under 30. Well, let's goal. start with this question then. Is this a profitable business? Very profitable. It is profitable. So you've got the full return on your investment back. I'm investing still. So right. in other words, the markups there and the and the um, on a business plan, yep. it's all there. It's just I'm, I'm self-funding. So I have to pay for and buy my merchandise. Sure. Um, so you're not using so, any so of buying, So let's say if I'm buying something right now, it's going to ship in 90 days. It'll sure. take a month to get here. So I'll get it in four months. By the time I ticket it and I get it out the door, let's say it's another month. Now you're five months. I ship it. They want 90 days term, sometimes 60. So I won't get paid. So if I buy $100,000 with the merchandise, months, I won't right. get my money for nine months. Gotcha. So we're so just who, getting paid so now. how am I making yeah. payroll, advertising, insurance? Rent. I have two warehouses, one in Connecticut that wow. does our, our stores and one for e-com in New Jersey. You know, it's complicated and it's expensive. So you have a um, a limited, uh, what's the word? You have a, um, you know, minimum Supply nut. capital. You're you You have yeah. your nut every month that you know you have to come up with. Whether it's 50000 100000 that covers yeah. that covers your nut. And then you may not get paid for nine for months. Yeah. So I could be in the hole 
a half a million, a million dollars, sure. knowing that in nine months, it's coming I'm gonna, back. It's more. coming back. But yeah. then when it comes back, I'm reinvesting it to grow. Yeah. So if I bought 100,000 candles this year, I want to buy 200,000 next year. So I'm still not going to make money. Yes. So I'm still this not going to make money. This is I'm still like, not going to make money. Like the, the beauty, You're the building. crux of cash flow, right? So because you're profitable, but from a cash flow perspective, Correct. it's cash intensive. Well, there's, right. There's, a, there's uh, you know, on Quicken or however you do your books, you yeah. know, you have a cash, what do they call it? Yeah, P&L, yeah, uh, cash P&L or cash what's the other flow. one called? The opposite. Um, Debits and credits? No, 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 no. <laughs> Two ways to look at your books. One is on cash and one oh, is on a cash basis. You said accrual or cash basis. Yes. Accrual or cash. Yep. So um, on a cash, you could be broke. Yeah, that makes sense. How much have you, can you say how much you've invested into the company so far? Um, we've, you know, with, with the masks and everything else, millions. Millions. 10 million, so it's still 20 million. I mean, Forbes 30 millions. under 30. Let's go. <laughs> What's your title with this company? Millions. And millions. What's my What's title? Your, t- your title, get right now. Let's co- make you co-founder. CEO, CEO and co-founder. How about that? Yeah, she yeah. is. She's the co-founder. Yeah, she's the we do everything. We do everything. Under 30, under 30. Yeah. Yeah. And the hardest thing is, you know, hiring the right people. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you have to make hard decisions and let people go. And that's the hardest thing, which Allison's had, I've had, had to, to do ta- as well. Teach myself Shopify, teach myself everything. Well, okay. that's the other thing. We believe that you have to learn. It's like owning a restaurant. I believe if you own a restaurant, you should be able to cook. Not you have to be the chef, but if the chef doesn't show up, you have to be able to put out food. That's my opinion. That's not okay. necessarily what the reality is. I believe that Allison should be able to do every job in the company, even though she doesn't have to do every job in the company in case, you know, somebody quits or whatever. So she do, knows how to do Shopify, the ads, everything. Well, right. We do most of them. I we love it. Jobs. I got what I got just a couple more questions. I'm going to wrap up here in a minute. But if someone comes, I'm going to go to you first, Jill. You're going to be the interview question. You are going to be the raise question. So someone comes to you, Jill, and they're interviewing with you. So they're listening to this and they have a, an interview with Jill Zare to be on one of your companies. What is something someone should do in an interview to impress you? What one interview tip do you have? They should have looked at my website and know about the company and maybe even come up with something that they think I could do better. I love that. Give me some advice. But if you come and bring your resume, if you come to the interview, don't expect me to have your resume printed. Yeah. Hand it to me. Bring it to me. Because I'll interview 100 people for a job. Because it's that important. What you what you find is when you hire someone, it's like a marriage, um, especially in my sure. case because we work in my home, and you know they're privy to all my my life, my real life, what's going on in my life, everything. You know they see everything going on, so trust is a big factor. Um, I'll tell you one thing: don't come to an interview and tell me that you. Did you say it? Sure. Go. go you say it. Go ahead. Someone that interviewed for us talked about their current employer in a very. Bad light. And was Negative basically go- gossiping to us. Gotcha. Yeah, because yeah. if you're doing that, no, you'll no, just do it. No, no, but what was the next step that they said? They sent one of the things that happened to Dumois. They said what? One of the things that happened with their employer, they sent in to Dumois. And she's like gossiping us that. Oh, telling us that. God. As people that could be on Dumois that too. Is the, um, my advice would be, don't tell your future thing. employer that you've ratted your <laughs> previous employer I nice about it. to the press. Yes. Especially, especially when you're interviewing for a celebrity. Oh then you're a mole, basically. That should be 101. Jill, one thing rapid fire. Someone gives you the resume. What's the first thing you're looking for? Tell me what you learned when you went to school. Boom. All right. Someone's asking you for a raise. They work for you. They want a raise. What is something that will allow you to actually think about giving them a raise? What is something they could do to pitch you, Allie, that you will leave the meeting saying like, I really need to think about that. That was a good pitch. We've had that a few times this year. And I think it's really 
taking more responsibility, but not only saying it, but doing it. So you can say whatever you want to say, but then actually showing that you're taking on that ownership before you ask for the raise, I think is important. So proving yourself. You come to the table, show exactly the value you've given to me before you start asking for something in return. Because you ask for it and you say, I'm going to do this. I don't know if I believe you as much until you actually do it. I love it. Okay. I have one last question for each of you. Then we're going to get your trading secret. Trading secret. Every guest comes on and gives it. It's your financial tip, your career tip, something someone can't learn in a classroom, can't find in a textbook, can't Google. So we'll end with that. But before we do, the first question is going to be for you, Jill. What is one question about the TV world, either Housewives or your new show, that you're not often asked that you wish you were asked? Oh, would Bravo. Knowing how what happened after season four, when they let go of the four housewives out of seven, um, it was the number one highest rated season in the history of housewives um, is what it says on Wikipedia, season four. Would they, knowing that, would they have done, uh, if they could do it over again, would they have done it? You know, would they do it again or would they, you know, would they still fire the four knowing what they know or would they not? And what would they have done differently? Interesting. And if they were asked that, what do you do? You think they would say they would have done it differently? Depends on who you ask. What do you think? I mean, I think if someone's being honest, they would have to say yes. Of course, we would. It yeah. was the number one rated show, and we killed the show, and it took years for it to recover, and it never really recovered. Seems like the no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know if they would say that. Interesting. So that so you asked me like a hypothetical. Yeah, it's I'm a like, hypothetical. sure, I would want to know that. That question. would be interesting. All right, I agree with you. I mean, I think the numbers show the answer, what it should be at least. We'll see. You know, who knows? Allie, what is one question? that you wish you were asked about being the daughter of a real housewife of New York that you rarely are asked? I don't know. I feel like I'm not usually asked too much. (laughs) I guess if I would ever be on a show, maybe. And would you? I don't get asked. When I was younger, I was very scared of reality TV. I was scared about getting into college and I was scared about getting a job after college. Um, I remember there were articles written that we had to get taken down when like, websites were like kind of chasing oh my after God, people. And now that was applying to college. It was bad. Oh my God, I had to it get bad. it down. Um, it was something very nasty. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, like more it, gossipy sites. Now yeah. everything's on TikTok, so it doesn't matter. You can't really control it. Yeah. But um, I was always very scared and embarrassed. And I feel like now everyone's their own boss. Everyone's an influencer. You don't have to report to anyone anymore if you don't want to. We never have to have a boss again. Um, So I feel like for those reasons, I don't have to be scared about going back to TV, but I don't necessarily need it because we have our own platform as well. Okay, I have one last question. That's a great answer. I have one last question, then trading secrets. So you had mentioned before that you're motivated to be Forbes 30 under 30, right? You own your own business with your mom. You're, you're doing very well. Coming from, and this is an assumption, but assuming you're coming from a family that has some material wealth, does that, like, are you at all motivated by money in any capacity or is it, other things like what drives your career ambition for Allie? I would say definitely motivated by money and making my own money. Yep. Um, my mom, no has, shame in that game. Hell yeah. Yeah, I would say my mom's portfolio is actually very diverse and a lot of it's from real estate, commercial real estate. Right. So I think it's very important to have a very diverse portfolio and getting incomes from different revenue streams, mm-hmm. um, especially now with the stock market. Like you can't have all your money in one basket, sure. all your eggs in one basket. So I think looking outside the box and not just relying on even for brand deals, even one company, because who knows what will happen like Kodak. Yeah. We thought we were set for at least a few years. Sure. That was gone. Gone. Um, so you never know. Even housewives, reality TV, anything. I think it's important to have many different sources of income and to 
be very self-motivated. I love it. Great answer. All right. We've talked business. We've talked money, negotiating, networking tips, business tips. We've hit it all. We just got to end with Jill and Allie's trading secret. Who wants to go first? I have so many. I wrote a book about it. I I can start. Okay. I would say life is very long. And if you feel stuck in a job or career, there's always time to change. My mom was the president of Goldtoe. She was in men's socks and underwear. She's had many, many careers. And I feel like we're even doing a new career now. We started a business two years ago when you were 55. So, and I feel like my life has even been long. I've worked in art and advertising, started my own company, and I'm not even 30. So I don't know what's ahead, but I don't think you're ever stuck in one job or career. You can always go back to school, take class online, learn from a mentor. Life is very long. I love that one. I have a simple one. Buy low, sell high. There we go. How's that tip for the day? One more from grandpa. Okay. Always... Remember what grandpa said? No. Never spend more than what you have, right? Oh, a rich man <laughs> never spends more than they have. Always, in other words, like, if you'll you, always if be you rich. Spend, you'll always be rich. You'll always be rich if you spend less than and you what have. you have. That's a good one. And it one. doesn't matter how much that is, but you'll always be rich. If you spend less. I love that. That is a good one. The only like follow-up, that. Jill, is you said buy low, sell high. Right now, everything is getting crushed. Is this when you buy? You bet. I love it. Buy as much. Let's put it this way. If you liked Amazon three months ago, you're going to love it now because it's on sale for 40% off. And I love a sale. There you go. We're going to end with that. Jill and Allie, thank you guys so much for joining us. What an unbelievable episode of Trading Secrets. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Ding, ding, ding. We are closing in the bell with the one and only, the David Arduin on the Jill Zarin and Ali Shapiro episode. We got another Real House of New York on the podcast. And you got to love when you've only had two Real Housewives on the podcast and they've chirped each other and one another on each of their episodes. I know the Curious Canadians chomping at the bit to get in the game. David, what do you got for me, brother? I just love a little bit of juicy gossip. So when you were getting the two Trading Secrets guests from the Real Housewives series on trading some secrets that they said about one another, you got live recordings, you're behind the scenes, giving them access. Uh, We all know here that I wanted to be on a a soap opera. Uh, I felt like I was like on on cast, on stage for one right there. So uh, definitely loved that part of the episode. I feel like that was a very producer move of me to to have that clipped up ready to go get Jill's reaction. I will tell you this though. Like, honestly, I was a little like that room's a little tight. You never know. You know, the housewives have big personalities. I was a little nervous bringing that clip out, like what Jill's reaction was going to be. And uh, it was better than I anticipated. Oh, I I didn't really connect the dots when she was on. And then when you brought the clip out, I was like, oh, where's he going with this? Oh my God. He legitimately the only person that Ramona calls out was Jill. And I was like, this could get good. I must say, I know you recorded that one in person. The audio was crisp. Um, and it was, you know, that part of it was really, really good. I know a lot of people in our reviews have talked about the audio. So in person, I know I wish we could do all of them in person, but overall, you know, I, I texted you right after I listened. I was like, she is an entertaining podcast personality. She's intense. 
but I thought it was really good. What did you think about the in-person experience with her? Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. We are going to be working really hard to do every podcast in person because the video is better and the audio is 10 times better. And we hear you guys and we know you've given us some audio feedback. We appreciate all those five stars with the feedback because the five stars help and we're listening to the feedback. So we're going to continue to do more and more and more of this in person. And actually, David and I later this week will be together in person doing more recaps. So just know that's coming. All right, David. Glad to hear your reaction. Love that we called her out. We got Ramona and Jill battling. Uh, really enjoyed Jill and Allie's presence in general, even before the podcast and after, and of course, during. What were some other takeaways you had? Well, I know you said you wanted to talk about Kodak. Um, when she said Rochester, New York, I don't know if people know, that's where I live. Little taste of home there. So you want to talk about how they went bankrupt, a little bit about their story. But first, she said she got in trouble from a castmate for... Uh, doing an ad for Kodak and saying, why are you doing an uh, ad for Co- Kodak? They're antiquated. Uh, what the fuck does antiquated mean? <laughs> and I, I feel like I should know that, but I don't. Wait, seriously? Do you not know? What I have no clue. I don't think I've ever heard all the right, word antiquated all right, all right. in my life. Hang on, now I'm playing. <laughs> this is why I love the Curious Canadian and I love the recaps. All right, right now, if I give you a hundred bucks, if you're correct, and you have to guess what antiquated means, what do you think the answer is? Well, I have to go off the example saying why Kodak is so antiquated. I'm going to think like, uh, what does antiquated mean? Uh, struggling business? Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I Honestly, usually I ask these and I feel like I know them, but some people at home might not. I have zero clue. Okay, so <laughs> you're not getting 100 bucks. Antiquated. Think like uh, like antique, old school, old fashioned. Okay. Like it's out of the game. It's outdated. Like think about that. So antiquated. It's old. It's antiquated. Like a CD player, VHS. It's antiquated. Um, so th- I thought that was wild that she lost that deal. Here's a fun fact about Kodak. So Kodak, for anybody that doesn't know it, used to be like, think about how big of a company Apple is today or Facebook or Google. That that was Kodak in like the 70s, 80s, 90s, right? And at one point, Kodak's market cap, Kodak's, Kodak's market cap, let me look this up. Okay, it was, I just want to say 1994, Kodak's market cap topped $20 billion. That is the share price times the total shares outstanding. That's what market cap equals. It was over $20 billion. Today, if I go look it up right now, I'm looking it up. It's trading today at $5.52 a share. The market cap is $435 million. So we're talking wow. 2.5% of what the company was just 25 years ago or so. So talk about a crazy story and not staying up with the times and the impact. They didn't change at the speed of technology. And boy, did they feel it. And that story was hilarious. And now, David, you know what antiquated means. <laughs> I do. And now it makes sense. I think because even she said like, oh yeah, no, they're doing the digital photo or the photo frames with like the pictures I go in. I'm like, I I don't know if I ever even saw one of those in a household. So uh, it makes sense. Rochester, a little cursed. They had Kodak and Xerox, two massive, massive companies. I want to say in the 70s, 80s, 90s um, that I know they had hundreds of thousands of people employed at them. Um, massive campuses. When I tell you campuses, it takes you minutes to drive through each one of these. They're abandoned. They're just, they're not. And didn't uh, wasn't Kodak in the news last year uh, for some shady stuff when their when their stock went from like two dollars to fifty dollars to like six dollars in a matter of twenty four hours, and the CEO made a ton of money illegally. 
Yeah, so there was um, some definitely insider trading going on. There's some stuff with Trump considering utilizing Codex infrastructure for the vaccine and other things like that for the pandemic. Stock went mad up to like 40 bucks a share. Now it's back down to five. So um, there was some stuff there. And I think that's interesting information, though, David, like, Guys, the city of Rochester, it's funny. There are these massive like mansions on this like Main Street area. It's like a village area. And they're like these beautiful, old school, beautiful mansions. And like David said, those all got abandoned. And now those mansions have turned into apartment units where like 15 people will live. Places that I've lived in a lot of my 20s when I lived in Rochester. And it's so interesting to go back to a city like that who had, you know, who had the biggest businesses in the world and to see how the city has like, of course, done just fine given the rebound, but it's totally different infrastructure. David, tell me more. Jill Zarin. Ali Shapiro, what else are you thinking? Well, I thought it was pretty interesting. <laughs> this is not, this isn't really relevant to the episode, but like uh, something that I raised my eyebrows. You know, the show Blow Deck. I oh, can't yeah. believe that people pay $45,000 to rent the boat out for two nights just to be on TV. It's so crazy. Like, I, we, we have so many reality stars that come on here and we bitch and complain about like not getting paid on the show. And then we have like, you go to that next echelon of like these real housewives where they're all like super loaded and they're just like, we don't want to be paid. We just want to be on the show. And then you go to the next echelon where you're paying 45 K to be on below deck. Like you got to be kidding and most me. Of those, and most of those people who go on below deck aren't famous. So like I maybe get it if you're trying to like, if you're famous or you're trying, you're an, and you want to be seen for more TV time to kind of grow or extend or, or be a different avenue to get some spotlight. Most of these people are just going on vacation and charting these boats so they can maybe get on TV. Yeah, like if, um, you're, if you're Neil Lane, I get why you'd spend 45K to be on The Bachelor. But just like you said, your, your average day person going on the below deck for 45K, what are you getting out of it? And to say, she said, if you rent a charter boat for 100K between tip and alcohol, it's half that. So it's 150. So really you're paying you know, close to 65K to be on TV for two nights uh, and maybe not get any airtime or words in. I know what that's like. So I was on The Bachelor for my three minutes. I didn't get one word in, but at least I got paid by The Bachelor. How much did they pay you? I got a check still in my room. It's like 146 bucks. It says uh, Bachelor season... uh, uh, (laughs) Wait a second. There's going to be another wild David fact. Okay, so you got paid 146 bucks to go on the show? Yeah. Is it like a little guest fee or something? Or like they pay for expenses? Well, they paid for my expenses. They paid for my flights in the hotel. And then I got a check in the mail like three weeks later. And it says bachelor season 13. Uh, and it was like 146 bucks. And I was like, this is, I'm never ca- Well, I cashed it. And then I just kept the check. Okay. So like, you still have dang. the check. So hundred percent still have the check. It's hilarious. Okay. So guys, what we're going to do is go to trading secrets on Instagram, go to trading secrets, Facebook group. David and I are going to do a segment where we showcase the check and talk a little bit about his experience on season 14, episode six, zero words, two minutes of airtime. And we got the check to prove it. So go follow us on Instagram, trading secrets podcast, go follow us on the Facebook group, trading secrets, Facebook group. And uh, we will have some more content about the check that David got. I didn't I even know that. I'm glad you I cashed it. I feel like you were going to tell me you didn't cash it. And I was going to slap you in the head. Yeah, no, mobile deposit. Okay. Um, I got to transition and talk about Allison a bit here. I mean, Jill was a lecturer. She kind of took over the first half of the episode as you guys talked about the Real Housewives. She, it was really cool because she's younger, obviously the daughter, been around money and, and, and fame a little bit for her whole life. But as soon as you started talking the business side of things, you know, the candle company and everything else, she perked up. Her energy perked up. She got super motivated. 
Uh, I want your take on this question. She said that she really wants to be on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. You've talked a lot about uh, people being able to buy magazine covers and buy the, their way on lists. Do you think it's possible to buy your way on the Forbes 30 under 30 list? Do I even thought, think people. you can buy yourself on the Forbes 30 under 30 list? My answer is going to be yes. It's going to be yes. Wow. It's going to be yes. And here's why. Here's why I think that. Because even in the small days, like in the little cities like Rochester, New York, when I was there, I remember that like the 30 under 30 and the 40 under 40, there were certain slots for certain companies that did advertising with the papers that did those promotions. And then I started doing more research on like New York, 40 under 40, 30 under 30. Then there are larger cities with different 30 under 30s. There are larger institutions. And it is correlated to your spend and towards the people that you know that are on the boards and that have the power. So like all the other things, like the fake paparazzi, like everything else, you can buy your way on to Forbes 30 under 30. I mean, nothing should surprise us these days. One thing too, I thought it was interesting. She talked a lot about when she was applying for college, a lot of the kind of like paparazzi advertising, gossip magazines, articles that had been written kind of made it hard for her to, to get into college in some of these applications. Do you think when you have money like that, especially now that the college scandal, Netflix on docu uh, documentary on Netflix has been out, do you think it's harder for families like that to buy their way into a college or like buy their way into an MBA program or just buy the piece of paper in general? Uh, what's your take on that? I talk about this a little bit in the book. Do you know that guy from that documentary? If you haven't seen it, guys, go check it out. That guy still has not served any time. I mean, a lot of the parents have served time for the bribery and stuff. He still hasn't served any time. And yes, you can definitely still get your way. They call it, there used to be the front door that's doing it legitimate used to be the back door. And now there's the side door and the side door is paying your way through, but not paying your way through like the back door where you have to buy the gymnasium for $50 million. That still exists a hundred percent. And I even have it like on my Instagram overpriced MBA. Okay. Okay. David, here's, this is a deal I actually did and got this week. And the re, one of the reasons I got the deal is because of my extreme passion for overpriced education. And it's called invited MBA. And I just did the deal on trading secrets page. And I just did the deal on my Instagram. It's invitedmba.com because it does the opposite of what we're talking about. Right? So my MBA was a two and a half year program. Most MBAs are two-year programs. And so for me, my MBA cost over $100,000, two and a half years of my time. And so one of my favorite ads I did was with invitedmba.com. And because it is a 12-week program, it's a 12-week mini MBA. So it's an accelerated solution that really like will help with upskilling any type of business acumen you might need. And there's over 900 alumni that are at big, big companies that have gone through this. So like there's some companies that have had people go through invited MBA from GE, Southwest Airlines and Coca-Cola, stuff like that. So to your point, MBAs are expensive. People are still paying their way to get into MBAs. Not everybody can afford MBAs. But that was the one uh, product I did just recently promote was the invited MBA. It's that 12-week mini MBA. And what I was promoting when I did it is that you can get a $200 tuition credit by just mentioning trading secrets when you're going through the process of application or just Jason Tardic because I did it on my uh, personal Instagram page. So that's invitedmba.com. Um, but yeah, 
my whole thing, David, is that you can still pay your way into the big colleges. And my whole thing, just like it says on LinkedIn, is that my MBA was overpriced and so are majority of colleges, undergrads and masters, and just be smart. And we should do a whole podcast on just that topic. I, I always thought I was going to get my MBA. It was like just part of the path. Okay, and- that's another thing I didn't know. Did you really? <laughs> always thought I was going to get it, but it was probably because I didn't know what else I was going to do with my life. So it was just like another like, yeah, I'm just going to get it. And then all these doors are going to open up. Uh, but if I had to now, I mean, he, I've heard your horror stories of the $100,000 in the two years to do a 12-week mini course online. Like that has to be the way to go nowadays. No brainer. Did you study business yeah. in undergrad? Yeah, I said I started a big business guy. Yeah, three point four. How'd you get your way through, how'd you get your way through that? Wow. You know, <laughs> I made some deals. I made some deals. You drug deal in tests? Yeah, right. I exactly. joke. That's another you thing. Know, I joke around in the book. I don't joke around real. Like people would like pass tests around like it was like drug deals. Like, oh, I'll give you the bio test oh, for yeah. the business law test. I mean, it was unbelievable. Business law. Business yeah, law at Geneseo, the biggest yeah. joke. The guy had for yeah, 30 for- years, the guy had the same test over and over the same test same question you want to talk about a genius i'm going to take a quick time out here that guy knew his test his whole course was a joke do you know why he did it he for the textbook the textbook yeah the textbook textbook was like 500 bucks he was the author right he was the author and all he did you had to buy the textbook and you had to show up to the midterm and the final and the test hadn't changed in like 30 years so basically he's it's just hilarious everyone in the world took business law and then david do you okay here's what i remember about the textbook too it was interactive so you would have to write about the cases right and then at the end so you had you had your midterm you had your final and then you had to submit your book but then we figured out the only reason you had to submit your book was so that he could see that you actually bought it and when you submitted your book, you had to submit it outside of his office and it was thick. You had to write your last name on every panel of the book. So when you went to his office, there was about, you know, a hundred different books stacked and everyone had to write their name big enough that you could see it. And I am still convinced that part of his grading system was taking out a piece of paper, just reading the name. Okay. They submitted their book. They paid. There's an A minus. Like that's how an- antiquated his system was. <laughs> Did you remember what the final, uh, the final question on his final exam was? No. What grade do you think you deserve in this class? Wait, seriously? It was like a no. Yeah. It was like a no fact. If you put an A, he'd give you a B plus. And if you put a B plus, he'd give you an A minus. He didn't give anybody an A ever. No one got an A. Hilarious Unless he guy. like knew Hilarious. you, right? Unless you really showed up every day. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what a joke. And Hilarious. we probably paid what? Five grand for that fucking class. Oh man. If you wanted to, the credit out, oh, whatever. <laughs> I didn't get into it. <laughs> the credit hours that I was paying to go to a class that I never went to. It's just crazy. Uh, okay. I got to leave you with this because I know we're running out. Okay. Uh, her trade, Jill's trading secret was, uh, you know, buy low, sell high. Oldest, oldest saying in the book, but I think we live in a, uh, a t- uh, time right now where this is more relevant than ever with what we're seeing in the market. If you've made it this long, uh, you've earned some advice from Janus, Jason Tardick right now. What are you doing in this buy low, sell high environment? This market's nuts, man. It's honestly out of control. First of all, I would put make sure you're putting limit orders in that will reduce your, you know, your overall exposure. If you're putting in limit orders, it will decrease your total risk of what you can lose in this outrageous volatile market. The other thing is I would make sure that you know you can use option contracts if you know what you're doing. If you don't, 
don't get involved, but that can minimize your risk and your overall uh, monetary exposure. And then the last thing I think is like, I've talked about it, but averaging down, like pick a time once a month, understand the ETFs or mutual funds or the positions you want to get into. And then once a month, buy a small portion of it. And if you do that for the next 24 months in a row, once a month at the same time, in the same place, you know your positions and your strategy, you buy in, you'll have 24 different entry points in a very volatile market, and that'll be beneficial for you. So those are a couple strategies. One thing David and I might do is we might uh, pick up the uh, Zooms, do a little market update here and there, and just give some perspectives, have David uh, ask about what's going on, what's relevant, and things that you can do um, so it can impact your financial situation. And we will put those clips all over the Facebook group and the Trading Secrets uh, Instagram. So as per usual, make sure you're following Trading Secrets Facebook group. Make sure you're following Trading Secrets Facebook page. Um, the Restart Roadmap on Amazon's on a limited time discount now. So if you haven't got your copy, go get your copy. And that is my advice. David, any other thoughts or questions you want to leave us with? No, that was great. Another awesome episode. I I'll get all the Real Housewives from all the cities on here. Uh, they always bring the heat and the intensity. So I'm all for it. I love it. Well, that day we also interviewed Kyle Cook from Summerhouse, which was amazing. We interviewed Amanda Hirsch. We got Pilot Pete coming on here soon to not only talk about Bachelor in Paradise, but to talk all about the auto, uh, not the auto, the pilot industry from a pilot. Like, and I went in, I'm like, why the fuck are my flights getting canceled? Why are my shit getting delayed? Tell me, I want the pilot's perspective. So we got a ton of great episodes coming up. Please make sure to give us five stars. Give us feedback. You want guests, you want topics. Literally, David and I have a whole album of screenshots from the reviews. The compliments mean a lot to us, the feedback we're listening to, and most importantly, the five stars. Go follow us on all social. Thanks for being with us. David, you got any last thought? We're good. I can't wait to see you next week. Let's go. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Trading Secrets. One hopefully you could not afford to miss. <laughs>